Hello everybody and welcome to the We Watch 100 Isekai podcast where we'll be watching The Vision of Escaflone. I'm here with my co-host Fermite. I'm Zaku. Fermite, why are we still here? Just a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh this is a this is a certified classic we're doing this time. This is one of those isekai for people who are too cool to watch a show that was made past the 2010s oh yeah it's the real like it's up there with inuyasha in the you talk about isekai and you bring up the vision of escaflone and everyone goes wait what the oh yeah i guess that is an isekai yeah exactly it's one of these <laughs> see it's confusing because the main character is a girl and also the opening is not filled entirely with waifus there's not even a group of three thugs at the start beating her up, not even arguably. Is that possible? <laughs> Maybe if you think there's like three thugs worth of dragon in there. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's stretching it a little bit. <sighs> um, but yeah, Thermite, barring any other intro shenanigans, can you tell us who made this show? Ah, The Vision of Escaflone was produced by Sunrise Studios, uh, you know, best known for Gundam, best known for like, you know, uh, Code Geass, a lot of mecha, like from the very start, they did a whole lot of mecha. If you can think of a mecha series that is very big, they probably did it. They also did <laughs> very right. early on uh, the, the Japanese classic Kum Kum, also known as Naughty yeah. Ancient Kamu Kamu. <laughs> the series explored the adventures of Kum Kum, a naughty boy in primeval times, and his friends as they grow up. Fascinating. And innovative. <laughs> what are they doing these days, Fermite? Uh, these days, they're still kicking around. You might know them from such cl classics as Yashahime, uh, this, you know, the Boruto of Inuyasha, uh, Scarlet Nexus, uh, the Love Live series, Gundam, uh, Gundam Build Divers, you know, the Gundam thing everyone loves right now. Mm -hmm. uh, Wait, did Scarlet Nexus get an anime, or does it have, like, anime cutscenes? Because that's a video game, right? Uh, it is, uh, yeah, it has an anime. The anime, uh, premiered on July 1st, 2021. Oh. Man, I'm Crazy. so out of, I'm, I'm so out of the game for anime that half the time when we were doing this, I'll see what's coming out right now, and it's like, oh, I guess that has an anime. I guess that's coming out. <laughs> yeah, same. Ah, but yeah, yeah also, and, uh, uh, it's yeah, Sunrise is a very classic studio. They made a lot of incredible looking shows. They still do. Although these days, still you so, know, they have mm -hmm. more sporadic productions. Yeah, it's also notable that Escaflone was created by Shoji Kawamori, who is probably best known for Macross. But, you know, he also did uh, like a lot for the Japanese side of the Transformers uh, franchise he's you know he's a big mecha boy and even nowadays he's still even when he's not creating stuff he's still just like guesting for the mecha stuff in you know various idol anime <laughs> uh yeah kawamori is big on the mecha idol crossover fan thing since mm -hmm. you know mac cross and all that ah uh, yeah but, uh, fascinatingly Escaflone also ran across, not alongside with not one, but two Escaflone manga. 
Oh, yeah. I have not read any of them besides the first chapter of each. But yeah, there is a shonen uh, manga called The Vision of Escaflone, and a shoujo manga called Hitomi, The Vision of Escaflone. <laughs> of course, there's also a novelization of the anime that is, you know, just six light novels that I believe is pretty close to the anime. And then there is the movie, which is just called Escaflone and is, you know, somewhat different. That's something we could potentially also do an episode on, but eh, I, I don't know. Yeah, and. Yeah, and you gotta remember, the anime is the vision of Escaflone. The movie is just Escaflone. This is important to remember if you're playing AMQ. Also, where are my manners? I did not say that the series is the vision of Escaflone, also known as Tenku no Escaflone, which is literally Escaflone of the Heavens. Oh, fascinating. It is but the my, classic... What does Escaflone translate to? Escaflone. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the classic. There is an English title and a Japanese title, and they are different, but they both lend something to the interpretation of the series. Right. Yeah. And uh No, wait, I'm going insane. This is not a clamp show. Wait. No, I mean right? it's hard to it's hard to tell. No, this is not a clamp show. Clamp had nothing to do with this. Okay. You may be confused Ooh, because of the character designs, because of how pretty the boys are, because it is, you know, very much focused on a girl going to another world in which she is important, not because she has badass abilities, but because of, you know, uh, something akin to a more feminine quality. Which is also badass abilities, though. Of course. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I suppose I should, I should and say also, it's a, yeah, yeah, because yeah. the character designs kind of switch up on a lot of episode basis since there's a lot of different art directors working on the show. So sometimes the characters will look very different between episodes. Mm hmm. Like, this is honestly quite a while before Sunrise started to really make their name as we do really, really, really pretty boys. Like, that's something people think they started to do with Gundam in the 2010s, but no, this is, you know, definitely a step towards very pretty boys uh, piloting Mecha. Right, exactly. And boy, are these boys pretty, and these Mecha, Mecha. <laughs> these are some Mecha-ass Mecha. You look at it and you go, this is a Mecha. It's powered by magic dragon juice. Powered by the heart of a dragon. Yeah, cast in the name of God and all that. Boy, I remember just you know, waking up some days as a little kid and turning on the TV and just hearing the dub OP, which was just, uh, you know, a chorus going, Escaflone, 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 and going, God, this is the coolest shit in the world. <laughs> I've never heard the dub OP for this show before. <laughs> It's I do think the sub OP is probably better, but my nostalgia glasses tell me that the dub OP is the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> well, that is understandable. But speaking of subs and dubs, Fermat, what version of this episode did you watch? And when you, I assume, watched the rest of the show too, what version of it did you watch then? Uh, when I saw the entire show, I did see it as well. 
To be fair, again, I, I did watch a bunch of it as a kid in dub formats, but then when I sat down and actually watched it from episode one to the end in one continuous sitting, I did do it in the sub. Right, and it's important to remember that this show actually got a redub in 2016. Mm-hmm. So they went over the entire thing and did it over. And if someone wants to listen to a dub of this show, I would recommend you listen to the redub. It's good. The original dub okay. is pretty awkward in comparison. I, since I I recently watched the show like a mm-hmm. month or two ago, I did ha- I did watch it in the redub, and then I when I watched this episode for the podcast, it started up in the dub, but in the old dub it was like, wait ah. a minute, why does this sound so weird? What's happening? Why is everyone so stilted? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it is a classic old dub. Yeah. Oh boy, is it ever. I have not heard the redub at all. I'm, I might just give it a shot as a, you know, like it's been a while since I've seen Escaflone. I might give it a listen. I'm sure it's good. But of course, I've got the big nostalgia glasses. Right. You gotta be in love with the old dub. <laughs> ah, someday us crusty old people who saw all the shitty old dubs and still like them will die off. And then good dubs can rain. Well, maybe not, because now we're in the era of the simul dub, which is also kind of shitty. Yeah, but it's usually, you know, people with more experience on how to do anime dubs these days. Hmm. There's less reading the, the lines as if you are seeing them for the very first time as you're doing it. It sounds less like a school performance at a school with a middlingly good theater club. <laughs> <sighs> so, with all the preamble out the way, why don't we launch right into our plot? Brought to you by the Escaflone Wiki. <laughs> God damn it, Zaku! <laughs> <laughs> There's no heart in it. You are violating the spirit of the podcast. <laughs> You know, I usually say, oh, I got these off the wiki, but I kind of just end up freeballing the recap anyway. <laughs> That's such a strange energy. That is the being a small time uh, like restaurant, but then you have a bunch of McDonald's bags and you pretend to be McDonald's in order to make yourself seem more competent. <laughs> when the truth is you are not <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> Food metaphors, huh? <laughs> Hitomi Kanzaki participates in a running session for her team. Oh, wow, this really, this plot synopsis really goes right into it, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, actually, I think this episode starts off with an opening, so... It does. Uh, we get that. It's a very nice opening. It's, uh, it's kind of like switching half between being fancy and being a shoujo opening you know sort Mm -hmm. of line to line which is a sound i didn't really appreciate the first time through but i think i've grown more fond of as i listen to it a bit more i mean it's no choir generically chanting escaflone but it's still pretty good Mm -hmm. um and we see a school track round where a red-haired girl is waiting for someone. That someone is our main character, Hitomi. She shows up, she's late, and the uh, red-haired girl's like, Hey, you know, you know who's running? It's that boy you like. Oh, that boy. 
that boy. <laughs> it's that boy. He's running. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that boy is Amino. Uh, remember his face. You'll see it a lot. Maybe. <laughs> uh, he's running. He's very prettily throwing himself across the goal line. Everyone's very impressed. And as Hitomi gets her pants torn off to make herself ready for her sprint, uh, as she's sprinting, she sees a mysterious vision of a boy with a sword and an army of robots burning down the world before collapsing on the ground. We see a brief, uh, we see a brief shot of a man named Balgus. We stand Balgus. Balgus is great. Lecturing Mm -hmm. Prince Vaughn on his mission to slay a dragon. (laughs) Two very different energies this early on. (laughs) We see some more shots of ominous destruction, visions of the future falling, and Hitomi is saved by a mysterious angel with Vaughn's haircut. Hmm... Who could this be? We'll never know. (laughs) This show will never answer that question, I'm sure. So, Hitomi wakes up in a school nursery and... Not nursery, that's the wrong word. In the nurse's (gasps) office, where Amino is watching over her. Mm -hmm. It's now uh, almost dawn, and uh, she thanks Amino for looking over her, and is awkward about the fact that she has never been able to run quite as fast as him. They talk a little bit about their running, and she shows him a cool necklace that won't be important, that apparently is able to swing at exactly one second per swing if you dangle it. That is... They do this, it's... It is. Very romantic. It's a real, like, if this had shown up in not a fantasy series, I would immediately call bullshit. Because it does violate the very laws of physics. Massively so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like they, there's a whole little scene there where they're like huh let's try it and then he stares at the clock and she stares at the clock and they just kind of count the swings and yeah it's like yeah this is actually really wild <laughs> yeah but uh then you know Amna's like he told me the truth is I need to tell you something I and then a friend busts in cock block <sighs> yet again poor Hitomi <laughs> <laughs> And we cut to them later, walking home. Her friend is very mad about Amino hitting on her <laughs> and is trying to esc- uh, extort Hitomi for sweets as we uh, go back home and, you know, there's some relationship drama. Of course. Uh, Hitomi starts talking about how she does readings, and these are tarot readings, and friend asks if she's ever done one for her and Amino, and she denies this because... You know, she, w- she wouldn't want to know if it's no. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, when she gets home, she thinks over this again and then does um, does actually do it. And uh, I guess before this <laughs> a little bit, we do find out that, oh no, Amino's leaving the country soon. How could this be? Hmm. <sighs> this is a... Uh... This is really, like, going in hard on the shoujo in the first half before we get to do all our fantasy stuff. Yeah, like, the the OP really does work well for this episode in particular because it is very much, like, heavy, heavy shoujo. Yeah, and we see her actually doing a tower reading where she reads the cards for courage and separation. (laughs) Hmm. 
It's the end of the day and Amino is about to leave. And one last time, Hitomi tries to seam off and Siyu says that if she can run fast enough to break her record, she wants him to give her her first kiss. It's very romantic, very sweet. She measures with the magic pendulum. Mm -hmm. But as she starts running, a magic lightning bolt and ray of light shoots down from the sky and transports who but Prince Vaughn right in front of them. This time she doesn't just phase through him as she runs and she crashes into him. Mm -hmm. He uh, is confused and befuddled. He seems to assume that the three teenagers gathered around him are in fact demons, but is quickly decided from this. After a brief introduction, he yells at them to get out of there because a land dragon is, out to, is about to appear. And in another flash of a very nice anime lightning, this is before they could do it in After Effects, so you know it has to look good. Oh yeah. Um, we get a dragon. It's a really interesting dragon design. It's sort of very unconventional. It moves in a very chickeny sort of way, and it has very stumpy back legs, so it sort of drags itself forward on its front legs. Yeah, it's very animal-inspired. Yeah, right. It's very much supposed to be like, oh yeah, this is like an animal dragon, even though it's also a magic dragon. Yeah, like it does not feel that mythical. Yeah, exactly. It feels very biological. It feels like you could do a horrible science abomination experiment and end up with this dragon. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as soon as the dragon appears, Vaughn goes full in on it like, yeah, fight me! Come on, do it. The dragon spins a little <laughs> bit of fire at him and immediately chases after the other kids. Not before Van shoot, shoots out its eyeball with an arrow. God he has damn. a lot of sort of bloodborne trick weapons with him in this episode. Mm -hmm. There's a small kerfuffle between him and the dragon as he yells at the other kids to get out of there. But uh, Hitomi's friend sprains her ankle. So... Uh, she has to be carried by Amino, they sprint up the mountain to a sort of shrine, but the dragon chases after them. Uh, Vaughn catches, clings onto the dragon, and they get up to the top of the shrine where he engages it in it in a sort of final fight. As they fight, Hitomi watches and gets a vision of the future as the dragon sneakily impales Vaughn with its tail. She runs down and yells to warn Vaughn, which gives him the opportunity to jump up and slit open the dragon from its underside, tearing out some kind of mysterious crystal out of its chest. Upon which the dragon and all its splattered blue PG blood <laughs> evaporates. <sighs> yeah, this is very, very gory. And I have to imagine when I saw this as a child, they had to have censored it, but I'm not sure how. I assume it's just because it's blue PG blood that's totally fine for kids to see. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah, it's, it's probably just, you know, alien goo. It's okay. <laughs> During this exchange, actually, uh, the dragon destroys most of the rest of Vaughn's fighting outfit, leaving him with a sort of loose-fitting red tunic. And with the character design, we'll see for the rest of the show. 
Hitomi runs up to him and asks if he's okay, and Vaughn's like, yeah, well, whatever, fine, no thanks to you anyway, I'll bring you to my castle, you can have some money. And Hitomi <laughs> slaps him, because yeah, fucking, fucking A, Vaughn. And it's like, yeah, you thank you would be nice. I tried mm. to save you because you didn't want you to die, dumbass. <laughs> And but before Vaughn can further ruminate on how he's a dumbass, a mysterious ray of light comes down from the sky again, seemingly triggered by the stone he ripped out of the dragon, and zoops Hitomi and him up into the sky. Amano tries to cling on to her, but barely manages to hand over the necklace to her mid-transition before she is finally fully transported and the beam of light disappears. Hitomi and Vaughn wake up in a mysterious field, and as Hitomi wonders where she is, she sees the earth in the sky. Hmm. And now they are mysteriously surrounded by some sort of animals with glowing eyes in the dark, as she ruminates that this was the meaning of the card of separation that she read in her tarot. Also, I will say it isn't it is specifically she looks up and she's she sees the earth and the moon like rotating around it. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> and that's it. That's the episode. I really, really like this first episode. It's a really strong opener, right? It gives mm-hmm. you all the vibes of the series. And there's this almost two two most important characters, at least. It doesn't. <laughs> I mean, listen, uh-huh. if you ever out of time to complain that the robot's not in the first episode of a robot show. I encourage you to watch Victory Gundam and come back <laughs> to me with that one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you've done that and you still have complaints, I will listen to you. <laughs> but yeah, it is a relatively atypical first episode. Like, the Escaflone itself isn't there, but also, like, I'd say they're not really in uh, the world of Gaia at all until the very, very end. Yeah, and we don't really get a good idea of where it is because they are in a sort of nondescript field. Like, Although, man, nondescript fields used to look so nice in cell animation. Hmm. <laughs> Ah, oh, fully painted backgrounds. Ah, <laughs> oh, and just like the whole structure of this episode is so pre-isekai. Like the idea that pre-isekai like, if you will. Like it's all about Hitomi and her friends on Earth. It is the, you know, like Van is the character who has been transported to another world for the vast majority of this episode, but that is not the premise of the series. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we get a lot more of, like, the setup of who the characters are and what the tone of the series is and the sort of, like, the stakes of... I think this is a classic old isekai thing of it's more about (laughs) setting up the stakes of why we want to go back rather than setting up the, oh, here's the cool power system in our magic Mm -hmm. world. Yeah, this is not a, this is the reason why Hitomi should never go back home. This is why she wants to stay in this new world forever. It is a fundamental, no, we see that she has connections in her world, so there's no real reason why she would want to leave, and in fact, this, you know, her first, you know, her first hints of what this new world presents are being attacked by a dragon, which is scary, and then just being out in a nondescript clearing with monsters all about her, presumably. 
some kind of shoujo protagonist boy is being very rude to you, but mm. like in an emotionally vulnerable way. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> yeah. Uh, otherwise, you know, the characters are all nice in this. You get a good introduction to sort of who Hitomi is, the big fortune-telling aspect of the series. Mm -hmm. You get a bunch of cool shots of mech things happening just to reassure you that, in fact, they are going to happen. Mm. <laughs> uh, incidentally, I would like to redact what I said at the start of Escaflone <laughs> means Escaflone. Uh, yeah? I was just looking through some of the pre-production stuff, and... Uh, Escaflone is, in fact, a derivative of the word escalation. I see. <laughs> I don't... I, I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> also, the series was originally supposed to feature a shapely young heroine. Uh, it was based on the Bermuda Triangle. And, uh, oh, the, the whole tarot thing was added in afterwards. <laughs> I should probably also okay. say, like, the the initial crafting of what the series was going to be was by the director of G Gundam before he left to go do oh. G Gundam. I see. Yeah, very different vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, uh, the actual director, Kazuki Akane, is the one who really pushed for the shoujo elements and added in the, like, it was the shoujo elements, it was the adding on all the cute little bishi boys, and then also adding in the tarot card elements for Akane. Or, not for Akane, or, ah, for... Hitomi. Hitomi, indeed. Right. Yeah, I think I'm very glad that we ended up getting this version of the show. You know, mm -hmm. G Gundam's cool. I'm okay with having one G Gundam. You only need one G Gundam. Yeah, you know, some might say it's a bit much even on its own. <laughs> <sighs> but, um, yeah. Honestly, though, this is a really good introduction. This is a lot nicer and a lot more original in setting up what it's going to be doing than most of what we usually end up with on this show. But also because mm -hmm. it's sort of very competent, there's a lot of lot less weird idiosyncrasies to bring up. Yeah, like we kind of just said through that it. it balances out Vaughn as not like just being rude and inconsiderate and still the main love interest of this show. It, you know, it shows that Vaughn's just kind of reckless, but not a complete asshole. He's just kind of not very thoughtful. Yeah, it's a fine distinction. It's the kind of thing that I think in a lot of other series in the, you know, in the rush to, like, set things up very quickly, a lot of characters in his mold get pushed into just, he's an asshole, and then we're going, yeah. you're, you're, you know, the girl character is going to like him later on anyways, as opposed to Vaughn, who is like from the very start, a little more complex and a little like, you know, a little more like a teenager. Yeah, you know, he clearly reacts like to, you know, being told off by Hitomi and he's more like concerned about something else than just inconsiderate of human life. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that's nice. We have Amano, of course, the main love interest of this show. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Of course. <laughs> <sighs> um, yeah, do you have anything else on this episode? 
I, I do see the dub that, again, uh, the one that made me like the series was specifically edited to downplay the role of Hitomi in the series. <laughs> wow, that's awful. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the dub also removed quite a bit of footage and added in flashback sequences because they felt that the story as it currently existed was too difficult for kids to follow. So they just they removed a lot of. Uh, also, the Japanese version is very packed with information. It was a real like this was meant to run for like, you know, 39 episodes or so, but they only got 26 and they didn't cut any of the story. Right. So they just kind of tried to cram all in all right. the story into 26 episodes. Well, you know, I have to say the uh, first episode is very well paced. It doesn't feel like we're rushing to anything. Yeah, like this actually very surprises me. Yeah, you know, Escaflone's pacing. You know, hmm. I can kind of feel it with some of the stuff in like the last maybe eight episodes, but up till then, I feel like it's fairly well spread out. It's just some of the like late game twists, I'll say, that don't quite get the time they need. Hmm. Yeah. And I think there there's definitely an art to having to put in a lot of information without letting the audience realize that you are rushing. Like anyone can do a yeah, series exactly. where, where you are rushing and everyone can clearly tell you're rushing. It takes a lot of you know good storytelling to rush while still making a, you know, a blind viewer think that, you know, there is no rush here. Yeah. And simultaneously, I think uh, the way Escaflona also manages that is just like letting the ambience and the background scenery establish a lot of vital plot information and just having a lot of things that are important, but it doesn't really spend a lot of time on explicitly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, if there's nothing else, I'll get us into the ratings. Uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm basically good. Okay, so, Fermite... How spicy was this episode? Huh. I, hmm, like, as an isekai, and as especially, like, you know, the stuff we have been watching up to this point, I do have to give it a higher spice score than I initially thought I was going to. Just because, like, as an isekai, this is a very different sort of approach. And it does genuinely excite me quite a bit. I mean, it is somewhat tainted by the fact that I have seen the series, so it's not a like, oh boy, I wonder how they're going to do this, but rather a, I, I forgot this is how it all started. And I'm, it makes me very happy to remember that, oh yeah, like, they had enough faith in the concept of the series that they didn't have to squish a lot of, this is why you should watch this since the first episode. Yeah. Like, uh... Oh, oh, mm -hmm. by, by the way... Yes? Speaking of things, there's something I completely forgot to talk about. There is, in fact, a director's cut of the series that has extra footage for, I think, the first, like, 14 episodes. That makes sense, because it sounds like like they did have to cut a bunch of stuff just to get it down to 26 episodes, but they did, like, you know, they tried to make it all fit. <laughs> yeah, and I did, in fact, watch that director's cut, so I'm not entirely aware of what wasn't in the version that you would have watched back then. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know if I could even track down the version I watched at this point. Like, I know the original dub has been like re-edited to, you know, to fit onto the original footage. But even then, like, you know, that's not going to have all the censorship. That's not going to have all the trying to make Hitomi not the main character. <laughs> For good reason. Not gonna, but I yeah. assume it's going to also have to fill in some extra scenes that were just straight up not there with the other dub, I guess. Yeah. Like, there's only so much cursed energy that you could fit into it while still using the same footage as the new dub or, you know, the sub. So maybe I will try and track down the hyper-cursed version. <laughs> Just to rewatch it? Just to, like, because I barely remember it. I remember watching the sub, you know, more recently and thinking, wow, this is even better than I remember it being, and I remember really liking it. But now I feel like it's going to be the opposite of, if I watch the hyper-cursed version, it's going to be the real, oh no, there's so little of this that was, you know, that, that made it through. The stuff that I liked is still very good, but that's just because Escaflone is really good. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm going to give my spice rating a solid five. Because it is spicy, but at the same time, it's not like, you know, hyper innovative. It's just, you know, very different from what, uh, you know, a lot of modern isekai is. Yeah, honestly, I don't really have much to add to that rating. I would say I fully agree with you there. Okay. So, yeah, I, I would I would similarly, you know, just corroborate your rating off a of five. And then, um, for like, how nicey is this episode? Oh, it was really nicey. Like, it is very rare in the shows we watch that I go, oh, you know what? I like this romance. I want to see these two <laughs> characters in a relationship. Yeah, you want to see them sitting on a tree. K-A-S-S-I-N-G. Hmm. I, I want Hitomi yeah. to, you know, beat her time, you know, her record uh, speed in order to get that kiss. And I appreciate that this is not a I'm going to make you kiss me. It is a like very clearly uh, he wants to kiss her. It is a this little, you know, <laughs> this silly, silly person needs an excuse in order to ask for this. And I want to do it. So let's just do it. Yeah, you know, clearly those two already have a thing going on between each other. <laughs> they just, like, need an opportunity. Yeah. And then on the fancy side of things, it's already, you know, very intriguing. I like the fight with Van versus the dragon. It immediately, like, sets you up for the, like, the action here is going to be competent, which is also something that is not guaranteed in a lot of modern series. Oh boy, and the designs are good. Usually mm -hmm. there's a lot of like very uninspired looking creatures in these. Yeah. But yeah, it, it gives me this big sense of confidence and I, I really enjoyed rewatching this. So I'm going to give it a solid uh, either a seven or an eight. I guess I'll give it a seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, for a first episode, I would yeah, also agree with that rating. I think a seven's <laughs> good. It's a lot better than all, a lot of our usual stars, but at the same time, it's still very, you know, it's very grounded. It's not a sort of thing you watch and your mind is blown away. It's just like, man, it makes you feel like the standard is higher. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <sighs> so, that just leaves how Isekaisi is this show 
Hmm. Based on my own wild fucked up scale of what is isekaisi, I might. Mm, I think I'm going to give it a five because while there is very much an other worlds, you know, you know, plot to the series, just from the first episode alone, I really I wouldn't really understand what they're doing. Like, I don't know if they're going like I wouldn't know if they're going to stay in Gaia the whole series or if it is going to be a back and forth or if they're going to go somewhere else like that part isn't really grounded into the series. And that is, you know, to its benefits. Like, I do appreciate how different this first episode is, but like I have no real sense of what Gaia is like. To be fair, I don't. I also don't really fully know what Earth is like. I don't know if that uh, dragon was just there all along or not. Mm-hmm. It, it it gives me this sense of, uh, you know, of not being totally sure about the premise. And if there's one thing I can say about isekaisiness, it is that by the first episode, I know everything I need to know about the premise. <laughs> so I'm going to give Escaflone a five. OK, well, I'm still going to give it more credit than you for being still very unambiguously an isekai. So I think I'm going to give this a six. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, it's like, yeah, that's, you know, I think I'll give it a lot more credit on just, you know, actually having another world and all that. And like a five is like half not an isekai, basically. But also, you know, it's just a world floating in the sky, maybe kind of. So it's kind of, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of technicalities to this. Yeah. <laughs> and we are just writing the first episode. Yeah. The, but... the first episode leaves a lot more mystery to it. Like, I, I would also say to anyone who is, you know, who has not heard of the series at all. Like, I will say Escaflone is unambiguously an isekai. Just, you know, if I'm going to hold <laughs> myself to just the first episode, I would think of it as a five. Yeah, exactly. And I guess with this, um, that's the finish to our episode. Uh, Fulmite, what are we doing next time? Uh, next uh, next time, we are going to tackle a series that is, uh, you know, it comes from around the same period. It has similar aesthetics. It actually is a clamp series. Magic Knight Ray Earth. Ha! Huh, how exciting. <laughs> Two good shows in a row. Don't get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we'll see you in another world. <laughs>